0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: 170,000 illegal crossings in February, and the Biden administration has a unique answer that doesn't involve actually going to the border. Our Ben Berquam is on the border, though, and he will show us the lowdown on that idea. While they may not be headed to the border, the Biden administration is coming for your guns. We'll let you know how that will go for your family. And first, the leftist mob came for Congressman Matt Gates, accusing him of vast improprieties. Then they came for Governor Ron DeSantis. Is this the beginning of a new era of Trump derangement syndrome that has spread beyond President Trump? Attorney Aaron Elmore weighs in. All of us and more on tonight's Dr. Gina Primetime. We begin today's show with an RAV exclusive doctor's orders. I've always said that they would circle the wagons while we circle the fire. And friends, it is high time that you find your wagon and you start circling. We have got to become the party of circling wagons and not circling fire if we intend to win ever again. Because, you know, it takes you back to this old poem. You remember this by post-war German Lutheran pastor Martin Niemöller. And it's about the cowardice of German intellectuals and certain clergy, including by his own admission, Niemöller himself. This was following the Nazis' rise to power and, of course, their subsequent incremental purging of their chosen targets, group after group. Many variations and adaptations in the spirit of the original prose have been published in the English language. And we've heard all of them. But it goes a little something like this. First, they came for the Jews, and I did nothing because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the Catholics, and I did nothing because I wasn't a Catholic. You remember it. Ultimately, they came for him, and there was no one left to defend him his prose deals with themes of persecution, guilt, repentance, and personal responsibility. Ultimately, we may well be in an emailer moment, my friends, just because they are coming for baseball and you may not be a baseball fan, doesn't mean that you don't have to stand. And just because they're forcing masks and you might not mind wearing one, doesn't mean you should not resist the mandates. Just because you can't know for certain if Trump or Matt Gates or Ron DeSantis might have actually done something wrong once doesn't mean you should sit down while they hurl accusations with zero witnesses, zero evidence at them on your watch. The leftist cancel mob is a cancer on America and it is eating us alive before our very eyes. They didn't stop at canceling Hollywood or NFL football or cartoons. And rest assured, they will not stop at Major League Baseball. They're like sharks. They smelled blood rich in the water when they did what they did to our elections and to President Trump, when they accused you of the things they accused you of over the election cycle. Now they're coming for your candidate, fairly elected, Matt Gaetz and Ron DeSantis, because they see them as conservative stars. They see them as a piece of you. And whether or not they are your favorites in politics, you better stand because you and your elected officials will be next. And that's your doctor's orders for today. We have breaking news from Ben at the Border and the latest on what the Biden administration is not doing about it, along with the Biden gun grab and what it will mean to your family. Stay right here.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
1: While Joe Biden is trying to distract us with trillions of infrastructure, or that's what he's calling it anyway, spending, and new gun control executive orders, the border crisis is continuing and people are dying. And our own Ben Burquam is down at the southern border, keeping track of all that's happening there. Ben, great to see you. Uh, Tell us where you are today. I know you're somewhere close to Tijuana. And if it's the last thing I do on this show, uh, I'm going to get you to say it right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm just outside Tijuana uh, and uh, in a place called the Eagle's Nest. This is uh, right across. I'm on the Mexico side. You can see Border Patrol stationed up on the hill. You can see where the wall ends here because Joe Biden decided that this wall was not uh, necessary. This is where the uh, the cartel brings people from Tijuana Uh, The the people that are in the camp, a lot of times people that have come up here illegally, whether they're trafficking drugs or uh, just trafficking humans, trafficking guns, the same guns that Joe Biden wants to confiscate from American citizens, they're trafficking them here. This is where they bring them. This is the end of the road right here. uh, And this is where they send them across. Just down in Tijuana, actually, well, right when we got here, we saw three members cross. We asked the Mexican immigration officials who were standing here, uh, what, you know, what was happening. They said, mostly what's happening here, the guys that just crossed were, they believe were uh, the Brazilian. They have a huge amount of Brazilian traffic here, as well as MS-18. There's a lot of uh, gang members that are, are are trafficked here too. But I was just down in Tijuana earlier, Tijuana earlier today. And the, uh, they're basically a war has been declared by this cartel Jalisco new generation. It's the Baddest of the bad. These guys have no rules. They—they're not afraid to die. they're—you know—they uh, say they're not afraid to die, and they're not afraid to kill. And they've basically declared war on the Tijuana police. They firebombed three vehicles yesterday. We went by the police headquarters, and actually had a chance to speak to some of the police officers who couldn't go on camera for obvious reasons. And they said that nobody's reporting this, but they, this cartel actually put out a banner in the streets of, of Tijuana saying, uh, "If you don't do as we say to the police." that we're not only going to kill you, but we're going to kill your family as well. This is what the left is inviting into America. It's this level of carnage. It's this level of of devastation. uh, And and they they pretend that it's all these just, you know, rose-colored glasses, people just wanting a better life. But what open borders truly means are more deaths in America uh, and more deaths, unfortunately, here in Mexico as well.
1: And, Ben, you've done such a great job of pointing to the unspoken humanitarian crisis that I've literally heard no other mention of on any other media, and that is what I witnessed as a resident right across the border, probably just a matter of miles from where you are, um, and that is the, the, what happens to the residents In Mexico, and just on the other side of the border, in California, who are largely immigrant populations, or else they're just Mexican residents that live there on the border, what happens to them when this sort of lawlessness is enacted and invited, as it has been by the Biden administration? What happens to the people who actually live there? No one else is talking about this, Ben, but you pointed to it over and over again. The crime, the trafficking, the drugs, even just things like drunk driving increased tremendously. And people don't even realize these kinds of things happen. Um, law just goes by the wayside. But you have um, some specific information for us today. Tell us what you have.
3: No, you're right. Uh, well, just to that point, we, we are going to have more angel families in America with the Biden regime and with the leftist yeah. open borders Democrats. Uh, we're going to have more deaths. We're going to have more manslaughter. We're going to have uh, you're right. The the drunk driving deaths are huge, huge, huge problem, especially in places like California. But it's not just California, as you said. I had a really unique opportunity this morning to interview a man, his name's Mario. He actually lives right across from the camp there in San Ysidro, which has been taken over. I I reported from it just a couple weeks ago, Uh, and now it has been taken over by leftist activists and the cartels, MS-18 members are going through there. But it's not just them, it's American activists. It's groups like lado and this Casa de Luz who are organizing this. They've kicked out American journalists, and not only American journalists, but Mexican Journalists, local and national, and they're only allowing in the leftist journalists that are going to perpetuate their lies. Uh, This is what he had to say about just one incident that he had with some of the members of this caravan across the street from his house.
4: When the last caravan that was right here, they were trying to open the door, they took a long piece of metal the ones that the police use. We, de- we defending ourselves. One, one friend of mine dropped a block in his back and we were defending our home. Th- that was right here? Yes. Yes. He said, What do you want over here? It's my property. And he pulled up a piece of metal to defend himself. The the police guy was there, and the police guy said, I cannot do anything but you. Uh, You you take him out. He said, uh, you know, kick them, do whatever you want so they can learn their lesson. They are not worthy to be on so so our own. So hang man.
3: on, the police said he couldn't do anything about it, but he said that they have they could as private
4: citizens? Yeah. When he was
5: hitting
4: him, when he was, uh, when he was hitting the individual that he was trying to get into his property, The policeman said, "Kick him! Kick him! You know, defend yourself! Defend yourself!"
3: And he goes on to say uh, that uh, not only is that they're trying to break into his property, but they're also the women that refuse uh, sexual advances by the cartel members and other other members of this caravan are being beaten and threatened with murder. Uh, and that this whole, the whole camp now is being run by these leftist activists. In fact, they're charging the people that are coming in to rent the tents from them. And they've kicked out the, the uh, humanitarian, so-called humanitarian rights watch, uh, as well as the local Tijuana military and uh, law enforcement. It's basically just wide open to drug use, uh, to rapes, to all kinds of just terrible lawless activity. And he said... All of the local residents feel the same, but most of them are just af- too afraid to say anything.
1: And this is really uh, where they are and the story that I said is not being told. And, and also, I might add, what happens when um, the criminals have guns and the people who need to defend their homes do not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being with yep, us and no, keeping absolutely. us up to date. Yeah, and uh, and be safe there. Thank- and we'll look forward to hearing more from you tomorrow. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Dr. Uh, Gina. And um, my next guest says the crisis at the border is uh, absolutely criminal. And he would know because he is the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida. Guy Lewis, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Gina. Guy, Biden is not even trying to secure the border. He is not even feigning to try to secure the border. And people are being hurt and injured and dying both Mexicans and Americans, trying to uh, you know, straighten out this situation um, on their own, frankly. And uh, people will die at the hands of illegals, and illegals will die in these efforts. And we'll have lots more angel moms out there, as Ben mentioned. So is this what attorneys like you would call criminal negligence? And why isn't anyone pointing to that? In the case of Joe Biden, and I guess he's handed this off now to Kamala Harris, who's only really cackled about it and taken a lot of other side trips, but not gone to the border.
6: It's shocking, frankly, uh, what the Biden administration is doing here. Gina, let's put some numbers on it uh, to uh, Ben's report. Uh, last uh, last month, in March, 170,000-plus immigrants were encountered at the border, the the southern border. Of those, about 19, 20,000 were children who we now know aren't turned back at all. They're brought in and they're put in camps. And we've seen some of those shocking and and, and extremely disturbing pictures of children basically piled on top of each other. So March, 172,000. That's up in February of over 100,000. And in terms of the fiscal year, almost 600,000 encounters at the border. Now those aren't, as Ben says, those aren't people who are coming in seeking political uh, asylum. They are uh, people who we know that two terrorists on the FBI terrorist watch list were encountered and captured. Uh, they, uh, they withdrew, the Biden administration withdrew that press release after it started to get a little traction. But you're going to see, Gina, the, the crime rate skyrocket around the, the, the west and the, and the southwest border up into California and these other border states. It, it's going to have, frankly, a, a, a shocking, disturbing, profound impact on that region, and frankly, the entire United States.
1: No doubt about it. Um, And unsustainable, doesn't take a mathematician to know those numbers are simply unsustainable. Guy, the Biden administration is denying there's a problem though. That's been their, I guess, strategy. But that's frankly not a strategy. Denying a problem exists is like a toddler covering their eyes, thinking no one can see them. I have, I have dogs who've done this. When they're in trouble, they just put their head under the sofa and pretend like I can't see the rest of them. After they, you know, chewed up my homework, uh, guy. This problem, though, is not going away. And the president and vice president of the United States should be treating this like adults, not children.
6: Gina, it is a national emergency of epic proportions. They've yet to frankly address it except to blame the prior administration. But if you go back and actually look at what they've done to promote this um, the, this flood of people uh, into the United States, uh, they've quit they, they've suspended the, the wall as Ben uh, showed us on the picture so they're open gaps and frankly uh, people are uh, coming in like crazy. We saw a film of 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 small children being dropped over the wall. He's picked up, he, the Biden administration, has revoked what I think was one of the most effective ways to control the border, which was to require people to remain in Mexico while their application, their asylum applications are being processed. Now let's think about that. Instead of allowing them in, this catch and release policy, which is illegal by the way. Make no mistake, it's illegal to enter the United States without authorization. And, and a lot of these people are re-entries after they've been right. deported. they they uh, as Ben said, there are drug problems, there are COVID problems. All of these people are being released into the communities. And I'm telling you, it's not gonna be just a criminal problem they are going to stress our infrastructure, our schools, our hospitals, our first responders. This is a, a, really is a problem of national proportion.
1: But why, but why no prosecutions?
6: Well, the, the Biden administration has decided that these people are, uh, in their words, victims as opposed to criminals. And and look, let's make no mistake. There are some cases. There are people that that legitimately deserve uh, uh, to be looked at in terms of asylum, and, and I'm sympathetic. I live in Miami, Florida. We have a great uh, uh, contributing uh, immigrant population, but these people are are being put uh, brought in, uh, smuggled in. Drugs are coming in: heroin, cocaine, marijuana. Terrorists. COVID. I mean, there's just, there's nothing, nothing that is regulating and protecting our southern border right now.
1: And I want to ask where the media is. We already know the answer, though. You can count the number of minutes they've spent on the border crisis, on the nightly news shows, on one hand. And we know why. It's because the media is an extension of the Democrat Party. So what is the answer, Guy, for those of us watching these astronomical numbers, this unsustainable crisis that is not being addressed by our federal government. What do we do?
6: So, Gina, thank goodness for uh, people like you who are actually covering this crisis, uh, but it does. Listen, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, The hypocrisy that exists, uh, as soon as uh, there there appeared to be an issue with uh, a, a surge when Trump was president, uh, the press was down there. Biden won't even let the press in. H-
3: how can the press sit back,
6: the, the, the left side of the press, sit back and, and not be raising holy cane because they, they're being excluded? In any other situation, uh, you'd be seeing editorials, you'd be seeing reports daily uh, on this, but uh, there's silence from the left, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a shame. It's a terrible shame.
1: It really is. Well, we appreciate you being with us and uh, keeping us on top of the legal perspective of this. Thank you so much, Kai Lewis.
6: Good to see you, Gina.
1: You too. Now, as the border crisis is boiling over, Biden is distracting us with manufactured crises. This is how they roll, like an emergent need to spend $2 trillion in executive orders on, of all things, gun control. Biden announced today that he would sign a series of executive orders on gun control because, well, he he has to focus on pretty much anything besides the border crisis, which is the real crisis. Here is what Biden said today in his executive order on red flag laws. Watch.
5: During my campaign for president, I wanted to make it easier for states to adopt extreme risk protection order laws. We know red flag laws can have significant effect in protecting women from domestic violence. And we know red flag laws can stop mass shooters before they can act out of their violent plans. I want to see a national red flag law and legislation to incentivize states to enact their own red flag laws. Today, I asked the Justice Department to publish a model red flag legislation. So states can start crafting their own laws right now.
1: Biden went on to say that none of his six executive orders would infringe on the Second Amendment. My next guest, he's not buying it. Breitbart News Second Amendment correspondent AWR Hawkins with us now. AWR, great to see you. Good to be, good to have great, you with us.
7: Great to see you, Gina. Thank you.
1: At AWR, the red flag laws on a statewide level can be a problem, but an executive order on the national level, really bad way to treat local problems. I assume you agree.
7: I agree wholeheartedly. Due process will be trampled underfoot, and, uh, and the laws don't work. Uh, you know, you notice he didn't point out that uh, Colorado enacted a red flag law January 1, 2020. It didn't do anything to stop the boulder shooter on March 22, 2021. And you see this again and again. California has a red flag law. How often is California in the news for a mass shooting or high-profile public attack? These laws these laws, uh, are a way that the left hopes they can, they can somehow make their way into your gun safe or mine, or they can somehow stop us from having firearms. But in the long run, the ubiquitous reason for these, which is to reduce violence, uh, they don't succeed at that.
1: And AWR, um, here's some more of Biden's announcement when he talks about this, you know, scary-sounding thing called ghost guns. Listen,
5: want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns? These are guns that are homemade, built from a kit that include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. They have no serial numbers. So, when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. And the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit to make the gun. Consequently, anyone anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes, put together a weapon. You know, I want to see these kits treated as firearms under the Gun Control Act which is going to require that the seller and manufacturers make the key parts with serial numbers and run background checks on the buyers when they walk in to buy that package.
1: Okay. AWR. I'm a gun girl, right? I I believe in my Second Amendment. I have a lot of guns that are my own. I have never heard the term ghost gun before they started talking about them. And I have a really strong feeling that's because this is another term they made up, right, Uh, to scare the population with this word that sounds scary. Like these ghost guns, they just slip in the night. You don't know where they come from. And in 30 minutes, bam, faster than you can put a thousand-piece puzzle together, you have a gun. I don't know much, but I just know this is not true. I'm pretty sure it takes longer to put together than it does a thousand-piece puzzle.
7: Right. Right. Oh, you're exactly right. You know, in the phrase ghost gun, you remember uh, if you back up, Gina, even three years, four years, they were using the phrase untraceable guns and that didn't get any traction because they were trying to link them to 3D printers and say that you could go through uh, TSA checkpoints with them and they were undetectable. None of that worked because there was a law passed in the late 80s that already banned those guns. So they changed their terminology and then they adopted ghost guns, just as you say, trying to make it scary. It's like using the phrase assault weapons. So when you listen to Biden speak on this, and I hope this makes sense uh, to your viewers, have you ever talked to somebody who read a lot about people who read a lot or wrote a lot about a certain topic, but they never really took time to read the people that wrote on that topic? They never really took time to get to know that topic. And when you hear Biden talk about ghost guns and putting something together in 30 minutes, which I've never heard of, You can tell, here's someone who has read a bunch of talking points. He's been given a bunch of guidelines and highlight this and highlight that from this agency or that one, from this VP or that one. And he's spewing it all out, but he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. I have what he would call a ghost gun, a 1911. By the time I was done with it, it was about eight months, and I think it cost me $2,700 because of all of the extra gunsmithing that had to be done to make it operable. So, on paper, maybe it looks like something you could slap together. In real life, it doesn't work like that.
1: And, of course, he doesn't know what one is, AWR, because he's never needed one because the taxpayers have paid for his security for the last 30 years. And this is what makes me so mad about this whole thing. All right, Right. calming down. Biden is also very excited about his new director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. That's ATF. Uh, this guy is a known anti-gun freak. He's a zealot. So what kind of effect can this new ATF director in Washington, D.C. have, because this is what it really all boils down to, right, on our daily lives and our abilities to protect our families in the way that we need to without the intrusion of the government who have their own security paid for and have for decades.
7: Right. Well, you know, we wrote at Breitbart yesterday, Gene, I wrote that what Biden's doing here is an end around Congress. Congress isn't acting, so he's going to use federal agencies to use regulations instead of legislative law. He's going to use regulatory law to try to accomplish the same thing. And that's what makes this appointment of David Chipman so dangerous, because you get Chipman in. And already on the ATF's uh, on the ATF's uh, playbook on their desk, there they're looking at what they can do with AR pistols that have stabilizer braces. Even though the ATF signed off on those braces, they're talking about doing a 180 now and place- placing those AR pistols under the National Firearms Act. All they need is they a di- All they need is a director who's open to that. And guess what? Chipman would be such a director. So see, this This furthers Biden's ability to enact gun control by going around Congress using regulatory uh, law or regulatory policies instead of legislation. It's very dangerous.
1: Scary times. AWR, thank you so much for being with us. I want to have you back soon because there's so much more I want to hit on this topic. Unfortunately, limited time on television precludes us this time, but let's have you back soon. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Great to be
3: with you.
1: Check out his columns, by the way, at Breitbart. They are worth every read, especially in these critical times. Coming up, the Medical Examiner report is out from the January 6th deaths at the Capitol. Jessica Rivera is going to tell the very odd findings in that report also. There's some fake news that is spreading like wildfire right now. We're going to tell you what it is so you can watch for it and tell your friends. That's up
0: next right here on Dr. Gina Time. Stick around. This is what I suggest we do. I don't know if my advice is wrong. I just know what I feel and I put in a song. And it's
4: not a song.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The D.C. Medical Examiner's report on the January 6th capital deaths has been released. And I'm very surprised to hear some of the things that are in it. Jessica Rivera has the details. Jessica, great to see you. Thanks for being with us.
0: Of course, thank you. Yeah, Dr. Jeannie yesterday, the Washington, D.C., medical examiner, released the manner and cause of death for four people who died at the Capitol on January 6th. 55-year-old Kevin Greeson and 50-year-old Benjamin Phillips both died naturally from heart disease. 34-year-old Roseanne Boylan died by accident from an amphetamine overdose. 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was shot and killed inside the Capitol, died from homicide as a result of a gunshot wound to her left shoulder. And the examiner says Capitol Officer Brian Sicknick's manner of death is, quote-unquote, still pending. So, Dr. Gina, Greason and Phillips died from heart attacks. Boylan died from too much amphetamine in her system, which could be from prescription drugs like Ritalin or Adderall that are used to treat things like ADD or narcolepsy, or it could have been from illicit drug use. But we do not know those specific details. What we do know is that she did not die from being trampled outside the Capitol. And Babbitt's death is a homicide. But I want to make it clear that medical examiners have five causes of death that they use. One is natural, two is accident, three is a suicide, four is homicide, and five is undetermined. And for a medical examiner, homicide simply means that one One human took another human's life not all homicides are murder and homicide can be lawful and justifiable for instance like in self-defense circumstances and I just want to make that clear so that when people hear homicide they don't automatically think of a murder
1: Mm -hmm. well that's an important distinction thank you for that Jessica um so what does this mean in terms of what actually happened on that fateful day and how does it align, I guess, with the way the news has been reporting it? Because the interesting thing to me is I'm not hearing this reported. I was surprised to see it on Twitter because there have been almost zero reports um, from anyone except for you know, what I tend to think of as conservative opinion shows on radio and, and you, us, right now. And so when I saw this on Twitter last night, I immediately texted you and said, Please investigate this, find out if it's true, and then bring us a report because I want to know if it is true, why is no one reporting it?
0: And Dr. Jr., you're exactly right. Mainstream media, it is not on their radar because it's not the findings that they wanted to hear. Um, the two gentlemen who did die from a heart attack, um, they had precondition, pre-existing conditions that led to them both dying of a heart attack. It just so happens that it took place outside the Capitol on the 6th. Uh, Babbitt, obviously, we know that she was shot um, by the Capitol police officer, which I think everybody knew, but I thought that they were... I think that the mainstream media thought that the medical examiner was gonna come across with some grandiose story um, of, you know, some way that she died. And then uh, when it comes to Boyland, she actually, you know, they for a long time said that she had been trampled because people were beating up officers, for instance, Officer Brian Sicknick, which we now know is not necessarily the case. She actually had amphetamine in her system, and they said that she just had an overabundance of it in her system, which caused her heart to stop, overdose. And with Brian Sicknick, um, we know that, you know, Congress sat there and uh, stood. There, why he laid in state and talked about how he was beat over the head mercilessly by these people who are Trump supporters. And Sicknick's mother even says she doesn't know the exact um, cause that the medical examiner is going to come out with, but her son, she says her son was never hit over the head with anything, let alone a fire extinguisher. And she thinks he died the next day just from a stroke. Um, and so because it's not the findings that really they want to hear and they can't really play it too much in the media, they're kind of just trying to sweep it under the rug at this point.
1: Well, all of those deaths are very sad. Um, but it was a bit of a, a chaotic day. And uh, there was a lot of tear gas, a lot of, uh, you know, things sprayed around that were, you know, it was just a lot of chaos. So I can see how, you know, people who maybe had a pre-existing issue Um, some of the ways that things were handled um, maybe did make people upset and led to that, but um, I don't think it's quite the way that the news media, as you said, uh, wanted to portray it. Maybe it doesn't fit their narrative, and that's why they're not reporting it, but we sure appreciate that you are. Thank you, Jessica.
0: Of course, Dr. Gina.
1: All right, and we next have a fake news alert. No surprise here, the mainstream media still reporting this absolutely debunked story that Congressman Matt Gates asked President Trump for a preemptive blanket pardon before President Trump left office. But we already know that President Trump said that did not happen. We reported it on this show last night. But all the news, fake news media had to do was call Mar-a-Lago, ask to speak to President Trump, and he will tell them, The media doesn't do its job anymore you see it's way too much work to actually pick up the phone or i guess search for the headline and corroborate or debunk an easily verifiable story but the media has their narrative set matt gates must be destroyed and the media cares nothing about the truth here with me now to discuss attorney and political guru aaron elmore aaron good to see you thanks for being with us so much for having me Aaron, Matt Gates is just the latest target. The left isolates a target, Alinsky style, and works to eliminate them. And then we'll move on to the next one. Um, do you think that Congressman Gates can fight back and stop the cancel mob in their tracks? Because they won't stop here. We know that. They've already started to move on to DeSantis unsuccessfully.
2: You know, what's alive and well is cancel culture and lies. The truth in journalism is completely dead. And what we know this is right now, this is an attempt to silence conservative speech. This is censorship in its finest form. We had allegations that started with criminality. Nothing has materialized. Absolutely nothing. All we have is rumors and innuendo. They're talking about, quote, unquote, trafficking. The only thing that the mainstream media is trafficking is lies and disinformation who's going to make this stop that's why we need strong people like matt gates who wants to drain the swamp who cares about america who cares about the state of florida that wants to see diversity of opinion whether you are a democrat republican or an independent the right thing to do in america isn't to silence the opposition it's let the opposition have their word let's not smear people's reputations just because we don't like what they have to say it's sick and it's disturbing and it needs to stop
1: absolutely and you know you look at the lack of evidence compared to the evidence that is there for someone like Cuomo for example you know the women that come forward one after another after another while there are no witnesses in the Matt Gates case you'd think someone would come forward for at least and make up something you know to try to get rich or something but we really just don't have that and yet If you were to watch, for example, I flipped around yesterday when the Congress people were having their press conference about Biden's border crisis um, that was being covered on our network and other conservative outlets, and I flipped around to MSNBC, and MSNBC, what were they covering? Matt Gates, and they were showing these ominous pictures of Matt Gates leaning into President Trump. And what cracked me up about it was the ominous picture of Matt Gates leaning in and whispering to President Trump was at a Trump rally with 30 or 50,000 people sitting there, which is of course where you ask President Trump for a blanket pardon, I'm sure is in the middle of a Trump rally with 30 to 50,000 people sitting around you, right? <laughs> so the whole right. thing doesn't make sense, but apparently, you know, leftists cancel mob audiences don't care about truth, or they would be able to put those puzzle pieces together and say, you know, I think if Matt Gates were going to ask President Trump, for a blanket pardon, it probably wouldn't be at a Trump rally. He was probably just saying hello to the president at a rally. This doesn't make sense. Something doesn't add up here. Where are the witnesses like we see with Cuomo? And why in the heck is MSNBC covering this instead of the Biden border crisis, where we have 170,000 illegals invading our country right now, and half of them are in some kind of trouble or sick or being killed or being raped or bringing drugs or being trafficked? Why aren't they asking those questions, Aaron?
2: That is the newsworthy story. You have hit the nail on the head. But of course, that doesn't fit the leftist agenda. That doesn't fit the leftist narrative. Instead, they just want to smear Republicans, whether previously it was President Trump, yes, he was a Russian asset, whether it was Brett Kavanaugh, who was a gang rapist, who was Jim Jordan and down the line, they try to take down every single Republican. Thankfully, we have stood up for ourselves and fought back and it's not working and we have to continue to do so. You know what I think? I am an attorney, but I'm not advising in a legal capacity on this case. What I would tell people to do, if people are gonna, you know, libel slander say things that they know are not false we should hit them where it hurts and that's their wallet you can't just say these things about people and harm their reputation and do irreparable damage to them it's not right today cnn came out and said that matt gates congressman gates was blaring loud music in his office and had something like eight dates with women consensually in the course of two years i'm sorry having eight dates i didn't realize that was something that should be frowned upon or a crime. You know what um, our friend Governor Cuomo has? 10 allegations of sexual assault, but the mainstream media says nothing. It's truly sick, honestly, it's really sad. Imagine if you're really looking at a CNN or an MSNBC as your source of air quotes news, you know absolutely nothing about what's really going on in America.
1: That's true. Aaron, Governor DeSantis is also being targeted with fake news. 60 Minutes got busted uh, chopping up his comments and fabricated a pay-for-play story. And this is absolutely, at some point, media malpractice. But it seems as though the left is never, ever held accountable, never, ever fact-checked. Um, they're not even fact-checked ever on, on social media, at least not by the social media big tech types. Um, so where does this end, and what is the best way that – I always like to take it down to the to the real micro level where this audience can play a role. What can this audience do to help put a stop to this because this cancel culture has really become a cancer of cancel cultures, and we have to stop
2: it? Thank God for people like Governor DeSantis in our great state of Florida, because he took on 60 Minutes and he said, what you are saying is not true. He took on those reporters that were slandering him and said, hey, this is not true. And I think us we as educated Americans, we as educated Floridians, we as educated patriots have to go in those comments on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and say, this is not true. Because I know those platforms are biased against conservatives, but if at least we start dropping comments and changing the narrative and having people think for themselves, we will start effectuating change. We have to talk to our neighbors. We have to talk to our friends. We have to be advocates. The great Dr. Sebastian Gorka once told me, "Aaron, you have to fight. You can't get tired of fighting because we are patriots and we are not at risk of losing our job because we are already outspoken conservatives. We have to fight for those who don't have a voice or who can't speak up. And that's what I would tell everyone who has the power to speak up speak up advocate for freedom in this country advocate for real journalism instead of fake news because if not we are going to become a socialist country and if socialism was so great why are people losing and risking your lives to leave places like cuba and that's the truth of the matter
1: mm. Aaron Elmore thank you so much for being with us
2: thank you my dear friend i appreciate your time
1: all right coming up A celebrity just might toss their hat in the ring in the California governor's race to replace Gavin Newsom. And this celebrity is a Republican. Amanda Head is in Los Angeles. She is going to tell us about it up next We're Dr. Gina Prime time after this.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: little update from the left coast, California Governor Gavin Newsom. Well, they're saying he will be recalled. So there are a lot of people lining up to run. And we have a Republican celebrity ready to toss their hat in the ring for California Governor Amanda Head here to tell us all about it. Amanda, (laughs) Trouble! I'm terrible at that. (laughs) Please reveal the big name of who is thinking of running for California (laughs) Governor. That would be
8: none other than formerly Bruce, currently Caitlyn Jenner. Now, Caitlyn Jenner, when she was Bruce, uh, for her whole, his, Jenner's whole life, has been a Republican. So it's not really a surprise that she is running as a Republican. But for those of you, uh, oh my gosh, Dr. Gina, I know that you know this name, but Brad Parscale, who was President Trump's campaign manager in 2020, uh, who was subsequently replaced, is now advising Caitlyn Jenner on who to bring about on her campaign. Um, I asked about this on Twitter this morning, and, and we used some of the answers on America's Voice Live earlier today. And when you fish through the comments, some, some, of, some people are just kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. If she stands for Republican values, then I don't really care. Some people think that it is going to turn into a three-ring circus if she wins, uh, although I would argue that that's better than the circus that we have right now with Gavin Newsom. But nestled in all of those comments was one very poignant comment, and I want to read this. Are we making the assumption that the California Republican Party leaders and their woke corporate sponsors want to win? Or could it be their only agenda is holding on to control of the big cash California GOP apparatus? Do you think that they would fund a nominee to lose? Now, Gina, you've lived in California for a long time. You're familiar with the California GOP. And there have been times when I have wondered if they were purposefully feckless. for instance, when Gavin Newsom was elected, it seemed like they were throwing their money behind some questionable candidates, and it just doesn't seem like they've been effective in making any real change in California politics. It's why we have a super majority, a super Democrat majority in Sacramento and have for a very long time. So, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, this is one of those things, Gina, we've talked about this on air. If Gavin Newsom is recalled there, well, and it looks like he will be because we've got all the signatures on that ballot, there are two questions. One, do you want to recall him. And number two, who do you want it to be? And anyone can, sh-
1: can throw their hat in the ring. So I guess Caitlin Jenner, go for it. Well, it will be interesting uh, if that happens. I know that Rick Grinnell is still saying that he's not 100% convinced that the recall is going to count. He believes, I think, maybe that there could be some shenanigans going on with that, that uh-huh. uh, the signatures, you know, who knows. But uh, if, you know, if he would throw his hat in, I think that would be a game changer because I would trust Rick Grinnell not to partake in any of the mm, flakiness of the GOP establishment there in in. California for sure no you're absolutely right I lived there for seven years there is an establishment quotient Uh, there are major money people involved that I don't believe are actually in it for the Republicans to win it what they do is they fund the best candidate against the most substantial conservative candidate, so that the most conservative most viable most right word-leaning viable candidate can never win. And they fund that person, the the opponent Mm -hmm. of that person. And so um, Mm -hmm. it's over and over again, we've seen it. And that happens actually in a lot of states. I've seen it in Missouri over and over again. There's a whole establishment, uh, GOP there as well, um, other states where I've lived as well. So it's not just California, but they've been tremendously successful in thwarting any real GOP victories uh, on the state level in California, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, resulting in the super majorities that we see today. So, but Rick Grinnell, would be a vast departure from that. I don't know Caitlyn Jenner. I have no idea what would happen in that, but uh, it certainly will be interesting. And here's the one thing I can say, Amanda, you and I getting to report on this for the next however many months would be an absolute blast. So that's what makes me excited because I'm so tired of talking about do nothing Biden and Kamala. Anyway, it is time for our meme of the day, Amanda. Pictured here, a young student who was told by his teacher that guns kill people. So the student then explained to his teacher that it was actually his pencil that failed his last exam. Therefore, we should never be blamed. And I think if I mess up tonight on tonight's show, it's my microphone that has caused the problem. Mm -hmm. Amanda, and I think you probably know the same thing. So I'm so excited to tell our boss that nothing is ever our fault again now that we know inanimate objects can be blamed for everything. Well, I have a lead foot,
8: so I'm very happy to know that the next time I'm pulled (laughs) over for reckless endangerment, because it's never just speeding, it's literally so much over the speed limit, it's reckless endangerment, I better knock on wood. I'm so happy that I'll be able to tell the police officer that it was actually the gas pedal that did it, not me.
1: Right. Perfect. I love this. Well, Amanda Head, we always appreciate you being with us as you have been, and it's going to be really fun to watch this political cycle, at least in California. You know, Amanda, you don't get a lot of advantages in California living there, really almost none that I can think of other than really, really fantastic weather. But getting to report on what is looking like it could be a very interesting gubernatorial race might be the best thing that's happened in California for a long time, so I'm looking forward to doing that with you. Thanks for being with us. I agree. Thank you, Dr. Gina. <laughs> All right, and thanks to you for joining me tonight and to everyone here at your new home for Real News. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We'll have an update from Ben at the Border, and you won't believe the live footage he'll have for you tomorrow. It'll be even more shocking than today. Uh, live from Studio 6, B. up next. Hug your children, love your God, you go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everybody.